Welcome to Coffee, Beans, and Booze. I'm Jasmine. And I'm Shyla. And we're thriving in a small town. It's caffeinated Jasmine and drunk Shyla. It's time for Coffee and Booze. Clink! Hey Shyla, how's it going? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm doing okay. It's a dreary one out there, but I'm trying to stay positive inside, you know? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're rolling into the uh, Pennsylvania winter here where sunshine is not a typical sighting, and that just makes life blah. So, Definitely. But I feel like yeah. it's fair because it's going to be the beginning of December here. I think that the it has every right to be cold outside, right? It's yeah. true. We, we have lucked out. This this fall has not been too bad on us, but it also, um, it, it, I've started, I've cracked open my uh, winter house projects because that's what I do. Yeah, you were I busy beaver this, busy. this weekend, right? <laughs> yeah. What did, what did you uh, open Pandora's box there? What did you do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we have, a, we have a townhome that was built in 1980. And um, some of the finishes, you know, they were like factory kind of like mm-hmm. just, you know, not super high quality. And we've wanted to, to do some stuff around the house. And so I uh, took down some wallpaper in the bathroom, which turned into a gigantic project. When you sent me uh, the so, picture, yeah. I was like, is this like one of those beach bathrooms that we go to at the beach? You know how they're all like peaches and blues. And then there's some sandy color in the middle. And I was like, nope, nope, that's not what's happening here. Nope. <laughs> no, that was the glue from the wallpaper. Yes. So unfortunately... The folks who put the wallpaper up, which I'm guessing were the builders, mm-hmm. did not prep the wall, the drywall correctly. And so mm-hmm. when I started to peel it off, I was peeling off some of the layers of the drywall, which was really yeah. great. So I've been with putty and knife for the last several hours of this weekend. And uh, I'm making some headway, but it's going to take forever. But a good like, winter project, yeah. which which goes, yeah. you know, you sent me this great that. text message this weekend that was about how, like, in the dark times, you prepare and you get ready for the light times. And, you know, you have these projects ready so that you're sort of stockpiling and doing and feeding yourself in other ways so that when the sunshine comes back, you've got, you know, the energy to go out and do and the prep to go out and do. So maybe it was all yes. full circle this weekend for you, right? Sure. We'll call sure. it that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's dark standing there like, I wouldn't have done this. He's <laughs> like, I would have just glued the wallpaper back up with the wall that you because I started with one piece and mm-hmm. realized that this was going to be crazy. And he was like, I totally would have just put taken glue and put that back up and figured something else out. The problem, though, was that the wallpaper is textured mm-hmm. and I didn't want the texture on the wall. I just wanted the yeah. plain wall. Our friend Jessie did something really cool in her former house where it was a textured wallpaper and she painted the textured wallpaper and it was one of the coolest finishes I've ever seen in my life. But she's brave like that. She's brave in a way that I'm not. I'm not brave. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't a cold texture. It was like mm-hmm. kind of a ribbed I don't know. I just wasn't feeling it. So here we are. I was going to make an off-color joke, but then I decided not to. I thought our (laughs) listeners might not appreciate that it wasn't ribbed for your happiness or pleasure. So. Oh, yeah, no, it was no, not at all. <laughs> no. But this makes, me, this makes me think of something that seems to be common in our lives these days and something we talk about with our guests today, which is you don't know what you don't know, and you didn't know what was going to happen under that wall until you started pulling <laughs> And I off. didn't even know what I was doing. Like, thankfully, Derek has some concept of that. And, you mm-hmm. know, yes, but we, we do talk about this a lot, right? right. About how I think the, the advent of, of information and 
and the Google machines, as we like to call it, yep. um, you know, has really made it so that we can we can become armchair experts in so many things. And it has complicated life, right? Absolutely. I mean, it complicates it for ourselves because I think sometimes we're like, well, I can find that out or I should be able to figure this out. Like, I think sometimes we beat ourselves up for what we don't know, which isn't really very mm-hmm. fair. But I always feel for like the medical experts, like the true medical experts, like when I walk in and I'm like, well, I Googled this. And so therefore now I, you know, know, I try not to be that person. <laughs> I clearly know, yes. Clearly I know everything about my symptoms, you know, but there's so much in life that this happens with, you know, I think communications experts, you know, live in this fear anymore because everybody feels like they're a communicator. It kind of reminds me of like when the desktop printer came out and everybody became their own graphic designer, you know, and that's, that's not necessarily true. There are true principles and there are <laughs> true things behind this. And no, I have Canva for that. Come yes. On. Yes. Come well, on. long before Canva, everybody just thought they could do it themselves and, you know, yeah, like there, there's 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 things we shouldn't necessarily be trying to do ourselves. Right. And this idea. It's funny. I was actually in a class with your husband the first time I heard um, somebody really talking about like the actual principle of you don't know what you don't know, which I is remember this. Yeah, yeah, it was a big thing in in business, which is, you know, you really don't know what you don't know. And, and a, your job in business administration is to try to predict all the things you can know. Right. We do SWOT analysis to figure out strengths and weaknesses and opportunities and threats. And, you know, we do all these different things. But at the end of the day, you try truly do not know what you do not know as a leader. You know, you don't even know the question to ask. And there was a, a particularly um, inexperienced student in the class, and, and he was trying to make a comment about um, human resources. It was something that your husband was talking about with his company at the time, and he was just sort of explaining this real-life situation that was going on, and we were talking about it, and the, the this other individual was sort of like making comment on something, and the professor literally stopped the whole class and said, this is a perfect case of you don't know what you don't know. Like you think mm-hmm. this is so simple and so cut and dry, but you know you really haven't stopped to listen to the other people and and fi- figure that out. And that that's not always yeah. easy, right? We we find this with volunteers who are super well-meaning, right? Super well-meaning, and right. sometimes they just don't know the whole picture. And I think um, I know I live in fear of being wrong because I don't know what I don't know. Like I don't even sometimes I'm like, what's the question I didn't ask, or what's the piece of this that I literally don't know? And that's why. I try to come at it of, of really working with um, with groups of, of really listening to everybody on the team to try to to get as much information because they know things I don't know right yeah. yeah sure yeah and just trying to figure it out but I, I think it also means that it's really important to be prudent about who you put on your team mm-hmm. or how you align yourself right so mm-hmm. when the Karen Covered went into the you know we, we transitioned to our own 501c3 back in 2018 it was really important for me to get people who I knew could could function in their jobs well that I wasn't you know kind of dragging them along Mm -hmm. but also that they knew what they were doing so Mm -hmm. we have a really great accounting firm who we use we have a really great solicitor who we use um you know, really kind of insulating ourselves from, I, I don't know things. And this mm-hmm. is what I tell my board all the time. Like, you know, we'll get questions about why are we auditing this way versus this way? And I'm like, I'm a social worker. I'd be <laughs> happy to connect you to the people who can answer that question because I can't, um, you know, and just being willing to say that. And sometimes I think that takes people back a little bit that they're like, oh, well, how are you in this role if you don't know the thing? But I'm like, but I think it's fair when right. you can say, There's I no know shame. what, what right. I'm exactly. Mm-hmm. I know what I'm doing. I know what my role is and what mm-hmm. my, you know, e- even building up to this campaign, you know, we were able to hire a campaign director because mm-hmm. 
there's a lot about a campaign that I don't know. So, you know, it's okay to say that you don't know those things and to learn. You know, this is Mm -hmm. a learning process for me, too, and I take it that way. You know, I I can now learn and glean information from someone who is an expert Mm -hmm. in all of that. So, Well, and I think it's our responsibility to be able to have those conversations, to know enough to have the conversations with the people who do know so that you can, you know, you can say, honestly, okay, so I understand what you're explaining. I understand these terms. We have this a lot of times that it happens in IT where like, you know, I think one of the reasons that I was able to make the transition from marketing to IT so easily was because I had spent a lot of years making sure that I was really listening to the IT staff and the terminology and the reasoning for why they were doing it. Mm-hmm. It would have been really easy to be, to be like, I don't know, that's not mine. I only do to this point and then somebody else handles it. Right. And so I think there's the, the commonality where you can know enough to be able to have the intelligent conversations and really truly listen um, to understand what someone's saying, but also have so much respect for where they come at it with it, where they're really the expert in that. And and I think that's really a fine line sometimes, but but you're absolutely right, Shiloh. The, the secret yeah. to this is to to surround yourself with the really knowledgeable people and people who are generous with their knowledge, right? Did you ever know somebody who like really knew something, but they just didn't know how to be generous with that knowledge? Sometimes this happens with teachers, right? Sometimes they Yeah, they I think clearly... people become protective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't want to give up like their secret or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, I think we talk about this all the time. So this sort of touches on two major tenets of coffee, beans, and booze. One, surrounding yourself with people who can help you fulfill the things. Mm-hmm. And two, that there's always room for people. Right. Right. There's always room for Mm -hmm. there's not an end to the, you know, food insecurity is an issue, will continue to be an issue in our country. Um, And so for me to give my trade secrets doesn't impact my ability to do my job. It just enhances somebody else's ability, which is really a great reward, too. But um, I I know a a kind of an area where this is really helpful for you, um, Derek, being your set builder, and Greg <laughs> yes. and Sean being imaginative and creative, so and much having so. this whole like so mm-hmm. this really great balance of Greg and Sean and their like vision, and Derek's like, nope. That practicality of it yeah and I kind of live for it because I know you laugh at this but like I love to sit in between right I really do like these three men feed my set creative land like because I need both and I want both like I'm a really practical thinker but I love the creative thinking too and so I think it's one of the things and to see them respect each other's approach to it is amazing because Derek will be he'll be like yeah nope that's crazy or is that where you think the time the money the the resource of any type is is worth it versus Greg and Sean, you know, thinking to the high hilts, which is you need both, right? You need both. You right. need the creativity you have to have and the a practical. little bit of balance. So. Yeah, yeah 100%. Well, and and mm-hmm. yeah, what we love about Derek and and Derek is so polar opposite of me sometimes is like when he first took over as your mm-hmm. set chair, the first thing he did was go into the auditorium and took measurements 100%. and design ma- macros mm-hmm. of the stage to scale. Yep. So he knows what he can put in it. He knows <laughs> exactly what will fit. Precision. Yep. Yes, it's important to him. Mm-hmm. He's very detail oriented in that way. Well, he's going to love this really year cool. because I've already started because the pit is on stage this year, a pit orchestra. So on a second story. And so I have already said to the pit director, Kevin, I've said, you must tell me how much space you actually need because we can't have this OG, oh, I don't know less guess. That's not how this works. Derek needs specifics, you know, and Greg and Sean yes. need to then be able to take those specifics and then be creative around that and, and to do that, especially in a crazy year like this one. So where there's no yeah. luxury for resources not being used correctly. So that's correct. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, yeah no, so, it's fascinating. It's it's cool. It's, it is. it's cool when you can see that sort of synergy of like mm-hmm. people working together who bring their skill sets and aren't trying to force something 
something that they don't have, right? Like right. Derek would never want to design a set. He no. will build the set, <laughs> yes. but he will not design no. the set. Mm-mm. He would he would design you something, but it would, be it a would big not block, be what you were and looking for. It would for. all be four by eight sheets, and there would never be <laughs> anything right. but four by eight sheets, which would probably work fine. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I think what, the other part that's interesting to this, Shyla, too, is that I think when you surround yourself with people who are really knowledgeable in their areas and their fields, it allows you to not always be right. Like, don't you think it sometimes yeah. gives a little bit of permission to know that someone is going to catch you if you're wrong? And I don't know about you, but I'm wrong sometimes. Like, I, 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 I'm, uh, I mean, I don't know. admit it to my family. I have my occasional. But I, I don't admit it to Mark. Mark, who doesn't listen, or Aaron, will, would laugh so hard about um, about that because they would be like, oh, you're wrong sometimes? And I'm like, yeah, I, I am wrong sometimes, believe it or not, you know? Um, yeah. But I, speaking of which, um, on our interview coming up here, we're both wrong from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of love I it. I had no idea. Yeah, I mean, you'll hear my faux pas very early in the interview. But it's which not is even a faux pas. It's probably no, the same thing that other people are thinking. So it was super cool. We're going to talk with Elisa, who um, not only is um, an IT operations person, but she also runs the Grove Farm with her husband. And she talks a little bit about some lammies. And you had some other conceptions, maybe, that, about them. <laughs> um, I also flat out call someone by the wrong name. I say Ashley Parker instead of Ashley Parks, which is his like just you know it does remind you like we could go back and we could edit these things but we determined like in episode one that that was not what coffee beans and booze was about right we talked about how this was about setting up an environment where we were comfortable to be ourselves we were comfortable to be honest it's why I caffeinate up before we get on it's why you maybe have a little booze before we get there right so that we have (laughs) the courage and freedom drinking today no drinking today in this cup oh no day drinking today good I don't even have a drink today's been a little bit crazy and I didn't even I'm not even hydrating just yet today but I will um but this idea that this environment allows us to be ourselves where we don't always have to be right and where we get to partner up with people who accept us for ourselves and we get to celebrate people that we love so yeah so it's good stuff absolutely so with that we have our great interview with elisa we had a good time right we did yep enjoy yeah Hey, Shyla, how's it going? I'm doing all right. How are you today? I'm doing okay, but be honest, you've had a week, right? Uh, I'm just annoyed with everyone. You are, but not our guest today, (laughs) who is the rock star, Elisa Grove. She is, yes, far off my purview of annoyance. Absolutely. In fact, I suspect (laughs) that by the time that we're done having this conversation, you will be in a better mood than you have been all week long. Absolutely. Elisa's always fun to be around. She is. A complete delight. And with that, welcome, Elisa, to Coffee Beans and Booze. Uh, We would love for you to start out, if you could give us a little bit of intro for our clinkers to get to know you a little bit. So hello everyone. Um, I am an IT operations manager um, for work at Lebanon Valley College and um, at home I'm a sheep farmer um, and that involves being a little bit of an amateur vet to them because they take a lot of care Um, and I also have a bunch of cats and two dogs so I stay pretty busy but I love it. In fact you call it the Grove Zoo. Right? I mean, you literally call it the Grove Zoo. I do, because even my husband is a little bit of that zoo-ness. I mean, it's like living with an ape sometimes. I love it because uh, we all get that, 100%. We have husbands that are Mm -hmm. are insane. I wish I could say on air some of the things I said to Mark this weekend, some of which were a little crazy, but absolutely 100% true. So I'm just saying, absolutely for sure. And I am positive Mm -hmm. that you will tell some good John stories Mm -hmm. along the way here. So let's start with this little amateur vet thing. 
because it's a little different. Yeah. It's a little different. It so is. When, when you talk about how many sheep you have, like how many sheep do you have right now versus how many sheep you're going to have in about a month? So right now we have 23 sheep. Um, 17 of those are pregnant and do <laughs> almost any day now. Wait, um, was that so, purposeful or was that just like what happened? Oh, no, that's purposeful. Yeah. Oh, okay. You wanted to have, okay. All right. Yes. An explosion of, of population. Mm-hmm. We, it's, it's, we it's do. The, the lambing time. It's oh, lambing time. It's lambing time. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. the, I mean, the theory is, and this time we were actually smart and we like figured out the timing of when we would want them to be born to be able to sell them for Easter. And Mm -hmm. so that is our plan at this point. So by Christmas here, we should have around 30 to 40 lambs running around in addition to the 23 adults. Crazy, right? Absolutely crazy. I have actually um, timed my next visit, which is happening here at the end of November, to the farm. I was just at the absolutely beautiful farm, and it is. It's really stunning. I can't believe she leaves it, to be honest with you. It's so beautiful. Um, But I timed my next visit for, like, after lambing has started so I can see (laughs) those babies. I know. So that's interesting. Every day I'm so excited running out to the barn, like, trying to see if they've had babies yet. Aww. And it's very disappointing. It's <laughs> also it's also like checking on landmines, though, because sometimes you just don't know what you'll find. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure. Yeah. So it's interesting. So you will sell them for Easter. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, people do this. They buy chicks and they buy lambs for their children for Easter and they have no idea what the hell they're getting themselves into. Oh, yeah. So do you do some kind of education with your families or like give them some kind of like primer on like, OK, don't just get this lamb and do nothing with it? Or are you well, like, and yeah. they're they're for the eaten, right? Oh, okay. They're so for they're... the eaten. So these are actually more to be eaten for Easter, and so there mm-hmm. isn't much of that education. Okay, that's going good. On. <laughs> um, I was, is it I good? Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So this, this one but... time, Mark and I went out to dinner, and he got. I, at least I think I told you the story. This happened maybe a couple months back. We went out to dinner, and Mark got like um, little little lamb steaks, and when they came, of course, they were tiny. Yeah. Like he was thinking in his mind that like this lamb steak was going to be like this like, and I said yeah. to him, "You realize you how tiny a lamb." Is. And he was like, oh, and I, I likened it to our little Noli dog. I was like, a lamb's about the size of Noli dog. And he was like, yeah. never again. He was like, hey, he's like, but I like it. I'm just not going to get the steak. It was yeah. a little too. No, too and it, it's totally respectable. I, 100%. I'm sorry I went down that road, you know, but people do that. They, they buy, do. They get chicks and they get lambs and then they're mm-hmm. like, the hell oh, do absolutely. I do with this thing? Well, and what are you thinking? Like that lamb's going to turn into a sheep. <laughs> Right? Yeah. And clearly sheep take a lot of effort, as you're now saying. that They you know, do. Yeah. And one of yeah. the great efforts that, that Elisa puts into is not only taking care of them and being the amateur vet, as you said, and we'll talk about that here in a second, about some of the training you've done to do that, but you also put a lot of effort into the naming of the little lammies. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So we have different, so we have different, like, lines. So um, the one line, the mom's name is Dolly. She, when she was born here, um, she used to sit down at the barn with her mom and she used to cry and it just sounded like Dolly Parton's voice. And so her <laughs> name adorable. is Dolly. So Jasmine, I know that you will love her. her name. I, will lo- I love her. Um, yes. So, mm-hmm. yes. And every one of her babies then gets a country singer name. And so um, we have Emmy Lou mm-hmm. is one of hers and Reba. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have Faith for Faith Hill. Um, and last year um, she had two boys. So we named them Big and Rich. <laughs> so yeah, we're right, yeah. we're having we're having a lot of fun with um, naming that line, and then other ones are named after TV shows. Um, I have one that's name is JoJo um, after Joanna Gaines, mm-hmm. and then her babies. <laughs> I've named the same names as 
Joanna Gaines's children. So then I know, like, <laughs> I know this is really, <laughs> I sound like a psycho. But no, no, no. It's actually really so, funny. Uh-huh. So, so last year she had babies and their names were Ella and Drake. And um, the, the males are the ones that we typically sell. Mm-hmm. Um, we will sell some of the females. But right now we're still trying to grow our farm. So we keep a lot of the females. Um, and so we kept the female from her and her name is Ella. Yes, very sweet, very fun, very fun, but all kinds of different things. And you, you said about TV shows. You're a huge Dawson's Creek fan. You've got, you've got like all different lines for all oh, different, yeah. uh, all different. Yeah. It's really fascinating. And yeah. she, and you know them all by name. Like they come running to you as the mama that you are, and she'll be like, oh, "There's yes. Bertha, and there's Dolly, and like it's absolutely amazing." So, awesome. yeah, but there's a lot and of work. Bertha to- is the queen. She is, She's and she is the queen. Like, when Bertha goes in a direction, everybody follows Bertha. Interesting. It's fascinating. So it's there's really kind cool. of a pecking order among sheep, like chickens? Oh, yes. Yeah. Interesting. Huh. Wild, yeah, right? She's definitely the dominant. Yeah, totally. Hmm. Absolutely. So so how did you guys get into sheep farming? Like, how did, how did you get to this? I mean, you're an IT person. Like, you literally work well. with... Which, well, well, I can't wait to talk <laughs> about that, too. We work with a lot of, like... We have a few women who work with us, but really, it's me and Elisa and yeah. a lot of middle-aged men, to be oh, honest yeah. with you. I'm yeah, sure. So, yeah, but how'd you get into sheep farming? <laughs> so, we bought this little farm, and I always anticipated we would have some animals. I didn't really know what we would have. Um, and one day, John showed up with a couple sheep. Apparently, he had done research, and that was something that, you know... Um, he had heard was easy and um, able to make some money on the side, and he was really excited. Um, but of course, it didn't end well that first day. Um, we had he brought home two rams, two male sheep, and they were about a year old, and they got loose. Mm. And oh, so we spent maybe six or seven hours that first night trying to find these two sheep that he had just brought home. <laughs> so. I mean, it didn't, it didn't start out well. We've definitely, we've learned so much over the years. And, and now thinking back on that, like we would have known exactly what to do if we had just maybe had a little time to prepare. <laughs> That's <laughs> what we all funny. think in life, As I right? say, you probably laugh heartily at the moment when John said, they're easy and it's not a lot of work, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's actually a really big joke a lot of times when we're, when we're having some trouble with the sheep, I will look at him and I'll say, Let's get some sheep, he said. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. That's the line we use with our children. Have children, she said. It'll be fun. (laughs) Now, as I was arguing with my 20-year-old today about cleaning up his toys, still. His toys or his room? All of the above. Because, like, I have said this before, but, like, we always, the big joke around here is that eight-year-old Aaron's an asshole. He left all his toys on the floor in the basement because they're still there. Okay, now I know you shouldn't, we don't clearly don't really call our children that, but the one who left all the Legos in the basement they were still there like I was cleaning up Legos today that he played with when he was eight years old Mm. no like because somehow that has become mine and today he was cleaning his I can't with this but anyway it is what it is (laughs) at least you don't have to clean up from the sheep who should have cleaned up after themselves I mean it's a little bit different so yeah yeah, so you you definitely in both of your careers both um as is a sheep farmer as working in IT you really have careers that are based so much on staying current all the time on new technology new information learning all the time do you do you like to learn are you the kind of person who likes to learn and and do you find that exciting or is it exhausting I love learning. I I joke all the time that I just want to start collecting degrees from LVC, um, <laughs> just like starting different classes and doing different degree programs. Um, I I miss school now that I'm not in it. So yeah, I th- I feel like I am always learning, and I'm always signing up for webinars and classes and anything I can kind of get my hands on to learn. 
And this summer you took a, a special course, right? That was about um, sheep husbandry, as I recall. Um, and it was one of those things you said for the first time ever due to COVID, it was offered online, right? And so you, so tell us a little bit about that and what that was like. So it was a class um, on um, managing like worms and parasites in sheep. Mm-hmm. And it was offered through the University of Maryland. And it's something that normally you would have to go down for, I think it's like four weekends in a row you would go down for this class and and you would have a lot of hands-on. But the way they did it this summer was it was a night class on a Wednesday. It was four hours. And then um, as your final project to kind of finish the class and get your certificate and also there are some um, diagnosis tools that they sent me. Um, To get that, you had to do a video of you like using the tools that they showed you. So Mm -hmm. demonstrate having... Mm-hmm. Finding a way to record that out in my barn with enough help to be managing the sheep and also <laughs> um, manning the camera and me doing what I needed to do was definitely interesting. But yeah, oh, yeah I'm it sure. was it was really great and I was really excited for the opportunity because it was some it's it's already proved really really helpful. That's interesting. Is that a common problem among sheep population? It is. Um, it's one of the things you kind of try to breed out for. So um, like we have um, certain sheep that don't really ever seem to get trouble with parasites and worms. And so we're definitely, as we've learned over the years, we're trying to breed out for that and and keep the lambs from those moms that are Mm -hmm. better with worm um, resistance. Hmm. So interesting. Quite the science to it all. Indeed. On the beautiful farm. It's like, it's like idyllic, like looks like it came off a postcard. We will definitely have to post a picture for our our listeners because it's absolutely stunning and and crazy. So, so what is, what's, what was your degree from LVC? You're not an IT background person. You're like me. We came there from other, other places. So my bachelor's was in psychology, but I also um, had a major in French and then I went back and got my master's in business. So yes, yes. Uh, I actually, three ends of the spectrum. <laughs> I actually um, knew the answer to that. I just wanted to explain to people that what I think is actually the key to everything you do is so much the psychology background that you have, because it's so much about how you work, the mentorship that you do in your personal life, the mentorship you do in your private life or your professional life. And the and quite honestly, the way that you handle, I mean, we deal with a lot of different people who mm-hmm. come at things from a lot of different ways. How about at least sure. we have to find a lot of patience for those lovely people around us, wouldn't you say? And I suspect that in the farming land, it's the same way. It always helps to understand what you're dealing with. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Isn't that absolutely. the truth? What a nice way to put that. But for on sure. your bio, you said that uh, you dream of going back to France. Is that, I do. Uh, did you study abroad or just visit or? So I visited a few times and I also studied abroad my junior year. Mm-hmm. And you guys have something in common in your study abroad stories. Oh. I know. Wait, do you ah. hear this one? You had interesting host families. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So I believe, Elisa, you did not have the easiest of host family times either. That's correct. I, um, so my first host family I lived with, um, the, it was on my third day there and I was crossing a tram track and she was pulling me along because she was rushing us and I got my foot stuck in a tram track and she was pulling me still and my ankle just like cracked. Oh no. And I broke my ankle (gasps) and she wouldn't take me to the hospital that night. She waited until the next morning and she was headed off on a business trip to Paris and so she dropped me off at the front door of the hospital on my fourth day studying abroad, at which time I, you know, we, I got all of that taken care of. And, but it was very clear that this woman shouldn't be having 
um, study abroad students. And uh-huh. so I moved host families and then moved in with a family who um, they had kicked their son out of his room to how ho- to house me. And he really didn't enjoy that. And so um, one day I was walking down <laughs> the street mm-hmm. and he punched me in the back and oh. like just really was not having a good time with me. And another day he threw glass at me. So then I, um, yeah, it was an interesting um, experience, but I sat in my room that I sat in my room that night and I wrote down exactly what I wanted to say to my host parents to tell them what had been going on. And, you know, after that, I think I only had like two or three weeks left after that. I mean, they, they took care of it and they made sure I was safe. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I had so many other wonderful times while I was there that it was kind of just a small piece of it, but <laughs> it, it makes for a, an, an interesting story. And I, of course, I always tell everyone, like, just make sure that you understand going into study abroad that it's not all going to be this fairy tale experience. Oh, absolutely. It's not like Emily in Paris on Netflix. Yeah, yeah you know? which is, is wonderful. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, my, my experience going into study abroad was my experience with um, several uh, exchange students at my mm-hmm. high school. And one of them I'm still very good friends with. She She's Swiss and is living in Switzerland. Um, so I had this idea idea that like you know you become part of the community and that kind of thing but really you know for a lot of the the people who hosted students in Salamanca and this may be true of France too um, they were doing it for income mm-hmm. it was an mm-hmm. income based thing it wasn't mm-hmm. because they were doing it out of like the goodwill of their hearts they were really just there to get an income and so I was up against this kind of weird thing because I had uh, several people who I'd studied abroad with who um, had lots of complaints and so I just kind of got mixed into the pool of all the people who had the complaints and so I Mm -hmm. looked like I was you know the crazy one and felt like I was the crazy one Um, but one of my most fun stories is that uh, my in my house I had to ask for a shower because they didn't have the hot water turned on all the time mm-hmm. and my uh. host mom flipped out on me like two weeks before I was ready to leave because I wanted to go to Madrid on a day trip and we were leaving early mm-hmm. and I asked if I could get a shower in the morning before I left and she was like no I'm not getting up that early I'm like well if you could just show me how to turn the hot water on like this right would be I really could do simple. this so you wouldn't like, have to wake up yeah. and she like sort of like flinging herself around and slamming stuff around and I was like what is happening <laughs> I just want a hot shower. But no one had told me that that's what needed to happen until like day four. So I'm taking these cold showers and I was like, oh my God, I have 16 weeks of cold showers. Like I hate my life already. (laughs) (laughs) But then my host brother was like, oh, I don't think anybody told you you need to tell us when you're going to shower so that we can turn the hot water You just assumed there was no hot water. Yeah, (laughs) I was like, "Um, okay, this is kind of weird, but whatever. Like I thought I was an adult, but I guess not. Different place. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Yeah, crazy, crazy stuff. So something you might not know, Elisa, is that Jasmine and I rarely like the same TV shows. Like, like rarely it's ever. Epic. It's, like, it's like it's like amazing. <laughs> like every time we think there's something, we, I don't know how we can like so much in life the same or spend so much time together. And then we sit separately in front of a TV and it's so opposite. Yeah. I mean, you like The Crown, right? I do. You, yeah. So I do. The Crown is one that mm-hmm. I'll watch, uh, like Downton Abbey. But mm-hmm. recently, Emily in Paris came out and you just mentioned that. So I thought that would be fun, a kind of a fun road to go down. Yeah. So your city abroad experience, were you like, oh my gosh, she's living my life? Or were, like, were there any similarities between what you experienced in France and like Emily in Paris? I mean, I think it was much less glamorous than Emily in Paris makes it seem. <laughs> and my wardrobe was definitely not as adorable and cute. And I didn't have this like amazing 
mentor French girl to come like mm-hmm. serenade me with La Vie en Rose. Ashley and- <laughs> Parker, who you may or may not know, is actually a Broadway star. She um, yeah. was in uh, Mean Girls. You saw her, yeah. actually. Oh, yes. Yeah, I did. Now oh, you say that. Do you know what's funny? I just realized this. We might not ever agree on television shows or movies, but Broadway shows we've we got. Do. All right, yeah, look at okay. that. Excellent. Yep. Yes. No, yeah, so she, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah she was she was in uh, mean, mean Girls. We ah, saw her. Yes, okay. Ashley Parks, yeah. yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Hmm. But you, you love some good TV. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. You, and you're a binge watcher. Uh, you and John actually watch a lot of binge watching together. Uh, what are some of the, the favorite shows you guys spend some time uh, together, having some quality time over? So the ones we watch together, um, we love One Tree Hill. Mm-hmm. You've that even vacationed. Watched, probably. They've even vacationed to the origins. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That it's, pro- it's my number one favorite show and probably his too. Mm-hmm. Um, we really enjoyed that one. Um, right now we're watching Heart of Dixie for the second time through. We watched it when it was on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, but that one's a good, fun um, watch. We're really just into watching anything right now that isn't COVID-related. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have noticed. I actually posted polls on Instagram today because I'm so annoyed with watching TV shows right now, that the new ones that are coming out, and everything's about COVID. Mm-hmm. I watch TV to escape reality, so I'm kind of yeah. annoyed. And well, and I'm not I'm really wanting little, to watch them. I mentioned this yeah. to Lisa too. Like, This Is Us had a COVID. You know, they, they reviewed it at the beginning, and it wasn't that I thought they did it irresponsibly or too heavy-handed or anything. But what I kept thinking was, if I watch this ten years from now, yeah. I wouldn't get the we how how resonate. tense we really actually feel. It yeah. makes it feel like oh, everybody's got the flu and they're gonna get over. Like it just didn't feel quite like that. And I totally get that, Elisa, by mm-hmm. by yeah. far. Yeah, this is also too much drama for me. Like yeah, I you you can't do I it. I can't do. Mm-hmm. I I try. What was that other one? The other NBC show. Oh, the one where uh, he kills himself in the yeah, beginning yeah, yeah, of it. Yeah. Uh, what's the one? Oh, we watched this one, Elisa. Um, the one where it's the whole group of friends. And in the very first episode... Uh, a Million he, Little Things. That's yeah. the one. See, I, I made it, go. like, four episodes, and I was like, yeah. I'm, I'm too much of an empath, so I, like, take it on, even though these people aren't even real. Like, there's something <laughs> wrong with my brain. <laughs> so I, No, yeah, my I best friend it. Nicole is like that, too. She, mm-hmm. like, I'll tell her to watch a show, and she'll say, is it going to make me cry? Mm-hmm. And I'll say, well, it makes me cry. And she's like, okay, yeah, I'm not going to watch that. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. But yeah. thanks for the recommendation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so. I'm sure it's great. Elise is trying you. to work through Yellowstone right now. You know mm-hmm. how I love the mm-hmm. Yellowstone. She's trying to work through that. But it's, that's, that's a heavy one, too. That's, that's a heavy yeah, one. we started the pilot and I was like, I was doing, I was mm-hmm. painting my nails and I was like not in, like I was kind of in between it and I was like, okay, this obviously needs like more of my attention than this, so mm-hmm. I'll try it again. Yeah, most time, definitely, so, yeah. most definitely, absolutely. Yeah. But you love a good story, Elisa, you, lo- you love a good, you know, you have great stories and are a great storyteller of all the people in your lives and, and in your world. It sometimes makes me wonder about the funny stories that you must tell <laughs> of us about us on the other side <laughs> of things, for sure. Um, <laughs> definitely. Um, and I think part of that goes back to that psychology piece of you. I think you totally get people and, and all of that. And that's really interesting. Um, one thing I would ask you about was, you do you we you work very heavily in two different careers that um, that are really male dominated. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what what's some advice that you would give to women who who are working in male dominated fields? Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like it just comes naturally for me. Mm-hmm. I've always seemed to like get along better with men. And um, I've always had close guy friends my whole life um I don't know yeah maybe it's I was a tomboy growing up and so maybe it's partially that (laughs) Um, yeah and I feel like I'm always learning on how better to work in a more of a male-dominated area too um I think just being strong and 
making sure that you're making yourself heard and Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Trying I was just going to say, you're, I'm sure you're yeah. gaining lessons. Like, you know, when someone says something to me and I like reflect on it, I'm like, man, I really should have said X thing back. But next time that thing happens, mm-hmm. now I've had practice and now I know what mm-hmm. I can say the next time. And it's sort of this process of just like learning and gleaning what you can from interactions. And it sounds like you're very much that that same kind mm-hmm. of person, which mm-hmm. is helpful. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. those shower conversations that you then play over in That's your mind, right. like while you're, do you ever do that? Like when you're in the shower and you're like preparing for something that's going to happen that day and like you mm-hmm. go through it 45 times in your head and it never goes the way you expect it, but. That's what I, I think is yeah. funny about that is I always, you know, I used to always anticipate everything in my life to be like, what's the best thing that happen? What could be the best outcome? And what could be the worst outcome? And that was how I would like prepare myself. And now I am always like, okay, what could be the best? What could be the worst? Now, what's the thing that you know is so complete? Like, you're never going to actually be able to anticipate what happens. It's oh, yeah. always some other alternative. It's always some other thing, right? And just yeah. being able to protect your yourself for that to know like, okay, yeah. you know, you, you can be strong in this, in this regardless. Well, yeah, and so. I think it's the idea of like the non-anxious presence. Mm-hmm. So the more you project your own like crap, mm-hmm. the the easier it is for people to be like, well, you don't know what you're talking about as a female, especially. Mm-hmm. So like just coming at things and, you know, I like to use some of my therapy lines like I hear what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I hear you. I understand what that might feel like. Here's what actually happened. That yeah. kind of stuff. So I had that actually happen yesterday. And Shanna's like, you handle that like a champ. I'm like, I try. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, or, or often I'll say to people, you know, like I can totally understand how you could see it that way you yeah. know like it's that idea of really just trying to like listen to people and understand where they're coming from so if uh, if we were gonna visit the uh the uh, farm on a day that the lammies were coming what would we see well <laughs> so i mean i <laughs> she <just> starts laughing <laughs> <laughs> well you know i've actually only seen the actual birth happen maybe three or four times in the five years that we've been doing this they very much um seem to have their babies overnight and I've done some research. It it has something to do with when you feed them. So if we would change the timing of when we feed our sheep, we may be able to, to catch more of those. But um, I don't think we're going to start doing that anytime soon. Um, but we feed them in the evening. So normally I don't feed them in the morning um, unless... So I will start once they have babies that they're taking care of. But... Um, normally right now I'm just checking on them in the morning, making sure they have water, making sure bedding and hay and everything's good, making sure nobody has their horns stuck in something. <laughs> um, we have, we keep their hay. I know this sounds ridiculous. No, but, I want somebody to check on um, me and make sure I don't we, have my horns stuck in something. <laughs> <laughs> but we have these bags that we keep their hay in so that they waste a little um, less. And a lot of times I will go out in the mornings and their horns are stuck in there because they're being little piggies. <laughs> so just having to rescue them from that. But well, usually they come out legs first, which is adorable. And um, they start walking pretty much within the first 15, 20 minutes. They're up and moving. It's crazy. Um, the mom cleans them off. They're in a little sack and the mom cleans them off and they are up and moving and drinking from their mom probably within a half hour. Hmm. Wow. That's you know, it's it, it's so interesting, Elisa, because I, I often hear about your tales of the farm and I love to follow um, everything that you have, on, you know, that you put on Instagram. You take beautiful pictures of the farm and what's happening there. And, and it's so great to see. But you really light up when you talk about 
you know, being a sheep farmer and enjoys, and I know John got you into this and we could have an entire podcast of a million things that John got you into because he's that kind of guy. (laughs) Um, But, you know, it's, it's, it really seems to be something that brings you quite light and joy and happiness in your life. Did did you anticipate that you would love farming so much? Um, I grew up around farms. My uncle had a farm um, when we were growing up and he had cows and pigs and chickens and whenever he had baby pigs, I would sleep out in the barn with the piglets. Aww. And so I think I've always kind of had that love for animals in me. And so I really just, I love animals. I think it's so cool how much um, they are and aren't like people. Like they have personalities and everything, but they care so much. And they they rely on you to take care of them, which I really like. Um Cause I just, I feel like I like caring and nurturing for people and mm. animals. And so that kind of just like feeds that for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, and it seems like you're someone who you're going to put your whole self into something. You're going to like, if you're going to do it, you're going to do it correctly. Like I'm getting that. You, yeah, you like education. Definitely. You like to, <laughs> yeah. to do it correctly, which is, is admirable. And with a, and with yeah. a caring spin, you know, I've, I've known you for a long time and in every aspect of your life, you're such the, the person who does lead with caring for others first. I mean, you know, the, the amount of time, and, and I see that every day in your work at the college, you know, it isn't just about answering questions about IT or making sure that like the budget is going to have what's supplied, but it's really about serving the students and really mm-hmm. about making sure that they have what they need. In fact, probably the most frustrated I've ever seen you with anybody in my life is when you feel that they're not following through on that same promise which is it's not about you it's about somebody else can we do for them and make sure they have what they need and you know that's what the only time that I really see that happen for you because I, I think you know yeah you are such a caring person um is that something that, that you grew up around like you know I know you're really close with your mom and you're really close to your grandma and like you know it were they strong examples of women who really strongly did for other people oh definitely yeah, definitely both my mom and my grandma mm-hmm. um, were both really strong examples of just caring for the people that you love and, and also taking care of animals. I learned my love of animals mostly from my grandma, I would say. She was a crazy cat lady just like me. <laughs> and, um, mm-hmm. and also learning that like nurturing of um, taking care of animals and loving them the same. All right, Elisa. So um, we have enjoyed so much talking with you about so many incredible things, not only learning all about what you do on the farm. It's so interesting to hear it from a female's perspective of what's happening there and you truly taking care of all of the crazy things at the Grove Zoo, just like you do at LVC. Um, But before we go, we have three questions that we ask of every one of our guests. I know you know these questions because you are an avid listener and fan. So as you know, first question, I get first question because I represent the coffee beans in this, which I know you think is funny because you spend most of your life making sure I don't have too much caffeine. Uh, But what is your favorite adult uh, yeah, adult beverage. No, coffee <laughs> beverage. <laughs> my favorite coffee beverage is a peppermint white mocha. And you've been busy so making them. this is my favorite season. I've been busy making them and drinking them from Starbucks. Um, but I think mine's better. I've, I've dialed it in and I think mine's better. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're quite the barista. Absolutely. That's yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. Hands down. So on the other side of that, what's your favorite adult beverage? I don't know that I have an exact favorite. It kind of depends on... Um, whether I'm having it with food or if I'm, or what kind of season it is. So right now I'm drinking a Yingling chocolate porter, mm-hmm. uh, the Hershey's one that they did, and that's really good. I like porters and stouts if I'm drinking mm-hmm. beer because I don't like the hoppiness of, of anything else. Um, and then wine, I love a good sweet fruity rosé, mm-hmm. um, but it, if I'm eating pizza or something that calls for a red wine, I like that too. Mm-hmm. Um 
And as far as liquor goes, I don't really drink much liquor, but I, I like it if somebody makes me a drink. I just don't know enough about it. Mm-hmm. So. Fair enough. You need to come hang out with us. Absolutely. We, we're, <laughs> yes. we're, big, we're big liquor fans. <laughs> well, this has like stretched us a little bit. It we're has. Like, yeah. So we will usually, when we podcast, we'll try something different. Mm-hmm. So today we're having margaritas. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's working know. out well. Yeah. You, you mix a mean drink here. Yeah. yeah. It's, so. it's good. Yeah. But our final question, as you know, is our absolute favorite question, Alisa. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait to hear your answer. So Shiloh, why don't you kick it off? Yeah. So Alisa, what is your passion? I think we touched on it a little bit during the call, but I think my passion is just nurturing and caring for others, whether that's humans or animals. Um, I just love taking care of them, you know, um, with people, just the way people's faces light up if you bake them a cake or if you, um, the way that my cats light up when it's time to eat the canned (laughs) cat food or something. Like, I just love that feeling of um, just being needed and being um, special to somebody and taking care of them, so... That's awesome. That so is sweet. awesome. Well, thank That's you so much. Such a good friend. It and, is, and, and a good mm-hmm. person, and so. incredible to work with for yeah. sure. Um, definitely, because yeah. you're so you're so dependable because you care so much. So it's it's amazing. So, well, thank you so much for your time today. We have so enjoyed it, and the world is definitely lucky to have you in it, brightening their day sure. and nurturing for them. So, thank yeah. you. Thanks for listening. I'm Shyla, and I'm Jasmine, and we're thriving in a small town. It's Kevin and Jasmine and Drunk Shallow. It's time for coffee and booze. Clink!